0: Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. The cross-shaped life, Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The Apostle Paul, as he's penning this to the Church of Galatia, he understood this. In other places, you'll hear him say, I die daily, and all these different ideas of this. But here in this scripture, he's telling us that not only has he been crucified with Christ, we have been crucified with Christ. He paid the sin debt. He paid it for us in full. And as he's given himself for us, and we die out to ourselves on a daily basis, and to say, Lord, you live in and through me. John the Baptist said it this way, I must decrease and Jesus must increase. And we're all living with that, aren't we? It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ lives in me. That's a hallelujah moment, church. Christ lives in you and I. And he's transforming us and as He is transforming us, as we yield our lives to Him, He makes us more like Himself and less of ourselves every day. Do you know there's coming a day that as we progress toward this, less of ourselves and more of Him, that we're going to come that day, that we're going to cross over into glory, and we're going to be just like Him? I mean, that's powerful. And so, and how do we live this? By faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The cross-shaped life in action is about serving. Serving God, serving others, while dependent on Christ. See, it's not about us. We sometimes make it about us. We try to, but it's not about us. It's about yielding ourselves to Him and saying, Lord, You shape me, You change me, You make me how You want me to be. And help me to serve God and serve others around me. At the same time, while we're dependent upon Jesus Christ to do all these things, our strength comes from Him. Our abilities all come from Him. And Yes, we have things we'd like to do and things that we do in this life, but we can do those things and still be used of him. I remember one time, a long time ago, there was a, someone was coming here to the church and said, Pastor Ron, I'm not going to be here <clears throat> this coming Sunday. So I won't be at church. I'm, I'm, I'm meeting with a friend. And I said to him, then go be the church. Mm-hmm. That's who we are church isn't this body I mean this building it's this body it's you and I I've preached on that before the Ecclesia the called-out ones and so we're dependent upon him to lead guide and direct our every steps oh Lord help us to look to you Jesus has not called us to a life that he has not lived himself His entire earthly ministry had a single purpose, to pour himself out for the sake of seeing people and creation reconciled to a right relationship with God and with one another. That's the whole point, isn't it? And so, as he does that, we have to realize that our lives... As we're Christians, you know, that word translates little Christ. Hmm? The Christians were to be like him. And as he poured himself out and as he gave himself and as he did these things, that's what he wants us to do also. And there's times it can be overwhelming. It was overwhelming for Jesus. There was times he said, we're going to get away and go to the other side of the lake. Let's get on this boat. We'll go to the other side. And we'll get some rest. By the time they got over there, thousands of people were already waiting for him. Huh? Can you imagine that? And we get overwhelmed in just in our lives, some of the things that we do. But we have to realize, Lord, help me to be like you, to be able to touch into other people's lives. May they see Jesus and not me. Is that so important? And we can have a right relationship with God and with one another. That's why he's put us together. Learn how to do those things and be dependent upon him. Each disciple as she or he becomes more and more conformed to the image of Christ, will live as a son and love as a servant in his or her personal sphere of influence in increasing measure. Jesus gave the best example of that before he went to Calvary's cross when he had Passover meal with his disciples and at the end of that he took off his robe he took a towel he tied it around himself and he got down and washed their feet so they had a feet washing service you ever been in one hmm? I have I have no church that used to practice that once a year when we had, we took communion the rest of the year, but once a year that we would have communion and we would do it on the night that Jesus did it with his disciples and then the men would get on one side of the church and the women get on the other side of the church and we would have a feet washing service. First time I ever went through it was like, oh, that's a little different. But over time I came to appreciate what, what was going on there. And you look down into your brother's, I mean, you look up to your brother's face and you got that pan there and you got that towel on. And you look up and say, brother, am I worthy to wash your feet? But that's how he wants us to be with one another, to live like that. We may not practice that, but we can practice it that way. And we have these kind of relationships with each other. Makes us more and more conformed to the image of Christ. He says we'll live as a son or daughter. And love as servants in his or her personal sphere of influence, increasing measure. It's amazing the things that the Lord will allow us to be able to be involved in and do if we just see the opportunities. And then we'll take the opportunities when they come. It's just amazing. And you don't always understand that at the time you may not see what's going on, but later you do. And you don't ever give up. And, I, you know, it, we can be sometimes so like, well, come on now, we've been sharing Christ with you and been working with you, and it's kind of, come on, hurry this up. They don't go like that. You just got to love them and keep going until God makes a change. We can't do it. But I think too many times we not only want to be able to share the gospel, we want to reel them in. And the reeling in part's not our job. Only God can do that. But we need to love them and serve them that they may see Jesus in our lives. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, it talks about we're surrounded with a great cloud of witnesses. That doesn't mean there's a bunch of people watching us, not that kind of witness. But God left us examples. Hebrews eleven, the faith chapter of the Bible, and all what people went through, and some of them went through crazy things. I talked the last time I spoke. I talked about the, if you have, if you ever want to know about what's, what's what they've a lot of the churches went through and how our history is written in blood, get Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's not an easy read. But it's amazing to see what God has done. And even in, faith, in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about those that were cut in half and those that were killed and those that were slaughtered, that the, this world was not worthy of them. Whoa. Therefore, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, may we lay aside every weight. How easily it is to get weighed down, isn't it? Huh? It's easy to do. And Paul, as he's writing this, well, we think it's Paul. (laughs) As he's writing this, he tells us, lay aside every weight and the sin what so easily ensnares us. And isn't it amazing how quickly we can get we're not careful the enemy's sly he works overtime to try to mess us up and Paul in this writing it's using this as a, someone who's running did anybody get to go on the turkey trot this, this year huh you know they do that I didn't even know they did that my daughter started sending me all this stuff and I said what are you wanting from me <laughs> I'll pray for you as you go down there, there. But they did that whole run. Not only my daughter, but her kids and her, and her grandkids, which is my great-grandkids. And they were all on this turkey run. What, what, what is it? Run before you eat or something like that's what, the motto. <laughs> so as he uses this, way, we lay aside all these things that so easily ensnare us and run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The work that he started in you is the work he's going to complete in you. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad he's going to be the one to do it? The author and he's the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now I would not consider that all joy, would you? Huh? And what he went through and what he endured. But you know why he was willing to do it and why he called it joy? Because he had you and I and all the believers down through the ages. He had every one of us in mind when he went to that cross and endured that. He paid our sin debt in full. You know, see, the word of God says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. But it also says that the blood from animals cannot pay the sin debt. And so Jesus himself stepped into his own creation, stepped into creation in in an earthly form. And he paid the debt that we owed, but we could not pay. And he paid it for us. And it says he did it with joy. And he endured the cross, despising the shame. And he sat down right now at the right hand of the throne of God. And he's there now. What's he doing? He's interceding for you and I. Lord, be with him. Help him. And imagine that. That's powerful. The word looking in that is aforao. Strong's Concordance number 872 says, from apo, away from, and ora'o, to see. The word signifies undivided attention, looking away from all distractions in order to fix one's gaze on one object. That's why it says looking unto Jesus. Having eyes for no one but Jesus. That's a good way to keep things, isn't it? Him first and foremost over every other thing. As, as he tells us, look to him, fix your eyes upon Jesus. The runner must not look to other contestants. That gets problematic sometimes in the body, doesn't it? Huh? but must ever keep his eyes fixed on Jesus. You see, it isn't me to try to figure out what somebody else is doing or not doing. It's for me to be faithful to the things that God has called me to do. And you, the same thing. If we find ourselves looking around to see, what well, see where everybody else is at and use that as a measurement to yourself, you're turning this thing into works. Huh? Come on now. And that's not what it's about. He has called us, He has saved us, and called us, and He's given us something to do. In Ephesians, He tells us that we're His workmanship. You can also translate that word, we are His masterpiece. Huh? That's a powerful word, isn't it, that one? Masterpiece. Is what God's doing in every one of us. So be faithful to what He's called you to do. Don't look around and see, use that to measure where you're at in the scheme of things. He doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to be up and about His business. Paul understood that the power to live like Christ comes from believing the promise that we are loved by Christ. That changes everything, doesn't it? And he gave himself for us, so he, he loved us that much. He's called us unto himself. The architect of it all is the author and the finisher of all of our face. 1 Peter 2:24 says who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. So Christ went to the cross, you know they call it the tree, the same. He died for our sins that we might live for righteousness, but that we don't have righteousness. Well, we think we do. Huh? The Bible makes very clear, there's none righteous, no, not one. Huh? So how are we going to be righteous if if there's none of us righteous? Because not only did Jesus go to that cross, we have access to his righteousness. That's, a, that's an amazing thing, isn't it? You take out his righteousness. He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's where our righteousness is. We're not righteous, we stumble and fall, we make so many mistakes. Our sins so easily beset us. But Jesus is going to work us through all these things. And we're going to be more and more like him. And he took the the beating, the scourging, and the crown of thorns on his head that left scars on his forehead, and the nail through his hands, and his his feet and the spear in his side. And why did he do that? He took those stripes so you could be healed. That we are the children of God. And he saved us and he's changing us. And he wants our lives to be a cross-shaped life, a serving, a serving life and he's not asking us to do anything that he hadn't done for us. Just be available and see what he does. The cross represents representing the life, death and resurrected life of Jesus as he is offered in the gospel is the soul-shaping core of the disciple's existence. It's him. It's him that's making us be more like him. It's him that's changing us as we yield ourselves to him. The soul-shaping core of, his, of the disciples' existence is Jesus. We need to be more cross-shaped churches. Now, when I talk churches, I'm, again, I'm not talking buildings. I'm talking about the body. We need more cross-shaped churches or the ecclesia, the called-out ones. Not lavish cathedrals, but living communities of disciples being shaped by the cross into the shape of the cross for the glory of God. Being shaped by the cross into the shape of the cross for the glory of God. And when we can do that and yield ourselves to that, others will see Christ in us. And when they see Jesus in you, he uses it to change them. Over the years, there's people that I had given up on. I would just kind of, this, this is just great, give, give up on. I've learned over the years, you don't ever give up. You don't ever stop. You don't, you keep going. As much as there's times that, you know, Lord, why do I have to keep on doing this? Why? Aren't you glad he kept after you until you came to him? Come on now, huh? Did you get to hear it more than once? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Schuyler, remember Schuyler? I think he made a statement one time. I think it was him that made this statement. He says, I think nobody should hear it twice until everybody at least heard it once. (laughs) Aren't you glad you heard it more than once? (laughs) And you finally listened to him. And he transformed our lives. And he still is. When your life takes on the shape of the cross, you begin to live the vertical life of loving God with all your heart. I was going to go to the cross here, but it's not here. Mm -hmm. But that's okay. You know what to talk about the vertical relationship we have with, between us and Him. The vertical life of loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And when you do that, you begin to live the horizontal life of loving your neighbors as yourself. And you find that in Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Our best hope is to cooperate with the architect. Hmm? He's wanting to use it to change you, transform you from who you are into what he's made you to be. Who promised he would build his church. He said, upon this rock, remember I Peter, he cast the question, do men say that I am and they had all this some say you're Elijah some say you're this some say you're that who do you say I am and Peter spoke up and answered it correctly and he says thou art the Christ the son of the living God now here's where we get that verse mixed up we, they take that and say well and so he got it right so the church is built upon Peter no it is not he, got, he answered it correctly and he said, oh, is it? And he said, and he was doing a play of words between rock and stone and all there, this, yes, that is going on in that conversation. But he said, yes, you got it correctly. And Peter, upon, I'm going to change a different word. Upon that fact, what fact? That thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Upon that fact, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's the foundation of the church. The cross-shaped life is a way of being alive and doing life in the place that God has planted you. The cross-shaped life is a day-in, day-out lifestyle of gospel-driven love for God and others. Lord, help us to let your love shine in and through us. Not only do we see it it changes us, you know, anything I've he's ever been involved in or had the opportunity to get involved in and, and... Even like where I'm at right now, I teach a class on Tuesdays at Vista Winds, which is assisted living, memory care. And it's done me some good, because I, th- I always think, oh, well, I'm getting old. I'm, I'll be 74 this coming year, and so I'm getting old. And I go down there and hang out with 90 years olds that are more alive than I am. (laughs) Some of them are, it's amazing. And it's been good for me. I guess the Lord knew I needed that. And so it's just amazing to watch how he's using them. In fact, there's one guy that's, that's there, his name is Les. I'd like you to ask the church to pray for Les Les just lost his wife, and she was there with him, and she died about six months ago. And Les is a hoot, and he tells everybody about Jesus, and he tells them about the Tuesday class. Tuesday afternoon. We were there from 3 to 4, and he tells everybody about this class, and I'm, I'm not going to say it how he says it, but I'm going to, you know, you'll get the message. And he said, Oh, it's a wonderful time. We're just working our way through the book of Luke. And we have. We've been there a year and a half, starting the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 1, and we're up to chapter 12 after a year and a half. <laughs> we got a year and a half to go to finish out Luke. <laughs> But they, they, they love it. They love it, and a lot of them have never been exposed to teaching it that way, verse by verse, word by word. And he said, oh, you need to come. Pastor Ron, he ain't, re- he ain't all this religious stuff. He said he doesn't have any of that religious BFs. That's how I'll say it. He just teaches about Jesus. <laughs> well, Les has had a stroke. He's in the hospital right now. And so I'd like to ask you guys just to, when you say your prayers, say pray for Ron's ministry at Vista Winds and pray for less. The cross-shaped life is a way of being alive and doing life in the place that God has planted you. Yes, it is. And I think he's put us all here for a reason. We're not here by accident. We're here by divine appointment to be a part of this body at this time and where we are. So, Lord uses. I mean, look at the things we've saw, we've seen over the years. We don't talk about this enough. I'm going to take a little little detour and take a little tangent. Jeff's going to know what I'm talking about. There was a time, and I'm thankful for where we are today. But we don't tell the story enough but I remember there was a time that we come together for a business meeting and the elders and we're all meeting together and to be able to have a meeting. And I don't know if, if Jeff brought it up or someone brought it up. I said, you know what? There's really no reason to have this conversation. We need to get in there down on our knees and we came in here and prayed. You remember that we didn't have a dime to pay the bills. There was no money in a little church. But we yet we believe that God put us here. And we got down and asked God to step in. And it's amazing. He's answered the prayer before we even prayed it. A little church in Oklahoma. Smaller than we were. But faithful in their finances for years and years and years had raised money. And they asked God, who should we send it to? And he told them, send it to us. We had no money to even pay the bills. They were a stack of bills and no way to pay any of them. And that week, we got a check for $25,000. Do you remember that? Yeah. God takes care of us. And even there's times that you know, but this, he used it to grow us and develop us and to change us, to know that we can trust in him we're in the place that God has planted us and the cross-shaped life is a day-in day-out lifestyle of gospel-driven love for God and others we just need to look to him when it gets overwhelming and we don't know what to do and just started wringing our hands look up because he's the answer the cross-shaped life is, is faith in Jesus Christ expressing itself through love for God and others. Galatians 5, 6, For in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. See, the Jews got off course when God told them, you do this, and you're my children, and told them to do circumcision. They thought they were saved just because they were circumcised. As Paul's writing the Galatians, there were those that were leaning, trying to go back under law. No. In Christ, none of those things matter. Why? But faith working through love. Love changes it all, doesn't it? No matter where we are in our various spheres of influence, we live a life that shows that Love is faith's expression. Life, L-I-F-E. Love is faith's expression. Oh, Lord, some people look a little unlovable, but help me. Help me love them that they may see you. The cross-shaped life is the life of Jesus taking shape in us. He's changing us, making us more like himself. Colossians 127, to them God willed to make known what the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the image, into the same image, same image of what? Christ. From glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now the reason why they're talking about this and they use this because remember when Moses went up on the mountain and he got the Ten Commandments? Sinai's and the Shekinah glory of God was there and Moses came off that mountain and he was glowing he was radiant it scared the people now I don't know if this is where the term bag your face comes from but that's what they did they bagged his face because the people he was he was he was glowing with the radiance of God and here Paul's writing and telling us, but we all with unveiled face, we don't have to cover it up, as we're beholding in the mirror the glory of the Lord and we're watching ourselves be transformed, less of ourselves and more and more and more like him. That's what they call it from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's powerful. Like Jesus, the cross-shaped Disciple will live in constant awareness and practice of his or her role as a bondservant by being emptied for the sake of others to the glory of God. That's what it's all about. We give of ourselves. We empty ourselves. There's times I just get tired. Just Rod does so much. I'm, not... I'm going to talk about you for a minute, brother. Rod does so much. I get tired just watching them (laughs) and it's amazing how how he just keeps going he's like that energizing energizer bunny just go 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 but you know what God wants us to be involved like that and he's opened opportunities in my life you know some of them I say amen and others I say oh my They're not easy, but he never told it was gonna be easy. He said he'd go with us, he'd be with us. So, and he wants to empty ourselves out, serving others. Second Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 says, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. Verse 15, and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. That's what our lives are to be. Second Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's what's going on. I'm gonna close. And I'm gonna close and give you a course of an old hymn that I haven't heard in a long time, but I made me think about this as we're talking about fix your eyes upon Jesus. The chorus goes like this turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Pastor Ron, Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms.